Hey witches, welcome or welcome back to Witch Weekly. This is episode two. I believe in love and magic and possibility. May these words water yours and my hearts and dreams. Blessed be. So yeah, welcome or welcome back for context. This episode is coming out February 14th, 2024. If you are tuning in at a later date than when it is being uploaded, I give that caveat for context as it has been quite the week. I had a plan for this week's episode prior to sitting down for this recording and yeah that's out the window at least until next week because I think it's really important that we shine a light on what is going on in the world right now. If you were with us for week one episode one of which weekly you might remember we did have some intentions around how each weekly episode might go might flow Many of those I didn't feel to be appropriate in parallel with the gravity of current events right now. I'm just not really sure. Regardless of whether they would have been or wouldn't have been appropriate, to be honest, current events really did just set me back too. I still want to show up for this, show up for us, but if I'm being honest, I'm feeling very human and very raw in my humanness this week. My heart is and just has been really deeply aching for the Palestinian people especially in light of current events. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, this is not surprising because there is a very active and effective effort underway to sweep this under the rug. But here's what happened this week. You know, besides the Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey stuff and the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl and Beyonce dropping those two hot new singles and Usher just giving us such an amazing halftime performance. All really cool, fun, and exciting things, events um, for me culturally, for the people within the country that I live in, which is the United States. And unfortunately, Israel and our government took advantage of this weekend knowing that we would be collectively distracted and by we i mean the u.s american people which is all that i can really speak to on a personal level so in the u.s the super bowl is the year's biggest television event if not all most eyes are on the Super Bowl. Like, if you're not from the U.S., if you've, if you don't really, like, know what I'm talking about, 
it's like this big football game. Um, it's like a championship game that we have once a year that our football teams compete to be a part of throughout the year. And football is a big deal for us culturally. And yeah, we throw parties for this thing. We get together with friends and family. We celebrate over food and drinks. And it's a big thing. It's a big thing here. The propaganda has been being laid on the U.S. American people pretty hot and heavy as of late despite many if not most of us believing ourselves to be immune to it and our government has been funding genocide against the Palestinian people through their funding of Israel. While over a hundred million of us here in the United States were watching the game on Sunday, Israel bombed Rafah in the Gaza Strip, the literal most densely populated area on earth where over a million refugees had fled already for safety. We're talking about civilians. This is where Israel chose to bomb and this is when they chose to do it and this was not coincidental. CBS also granted the Israeli government space for an advertisement during the Super Bowl about the 130 hostages left in Gaza with the goal to build public support and justify the slaughter of nearly 30,000 civilians in Gaza by the Israeli government. That and the timing feels a little suspicious to me, as well as our government's chosen timing to, on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, move forward with a $95 billion aid package to fund Ukraine and Taiwan also, but Israel. I'd say most of our news sources within the U.S. are presented in ways that aim to sway the perception of the consumer. And there is a lot of false information being spread, but as far as I've been able to vet, this information is correct, and I will have my sources cited in the show notes of this episode. I really encourage you to go check them out for yourself, to do your own research, but to also keep your wits about you in doing so, keeping cognizant of the fact that propaganda is still a very real, actively happening thing, and that none of us are immune to it. In fact, I would love it if somebody could tell me I'm wrong about any of this, because I hate it. It's not what I want us to be talking about right now, 
because I don't want it to be what's happening right now, and yet it is. This situation is so sick, and I know so many of us within this community especially are really struggling to hold out for and on to hope. I know so many of us are feeling so not only hopeless but helpless over what is going on in the world right now. I am not the best person to be speaking on this stuff in large part because I am right there with you. In researching some ways that I can help Palestine, that we can help Palestine, I did come across an article from Palestine Children's Relief Fund, PCRF, an organization that provides humanitarian aid and medical relief to children and their families, some of whom are refugees fleeing their home countries through pediatric cancer departments, humanitarian aid programs and projects, pediatric medical health initiatives, and the list goes on and on and on. I think that they are going to be a better authority for us on this, and if you have the means to, could be a really great organization to support if that is on your heart and within your means to do. I'm reading from the article and I will have it and this organization linked in the show notes as well. The article is titled How to Help Palestine and they give us five ways in which we can help. The first way we can help Palestine is to educate ourselves. Educating ourselves about what is happening right now, they say, is the first step toward us taking meaningful action to help Palestine, and I couldn't agree more. The next way we can help they share with us is to advocate for change. This can include they share with us writing to our elected representatives, signing petitions, supporting political campaigns that promote peace and justice in the region. The next thing they're saying we can do is stay informed and engaged. This will help us continue to be good advocates for change, they say, and to take meaningful action to help those affected by the conflict. Their next tip I really love is to support Palestinian businesses. By supporting Palestinian businesses, we can help to support their local economy and promote economic growth within the region. And we can find Palestinian-owned businesses online or by visiting local markets and shops within our areas that specialize in Mr. In Middle Eastern products they share, excuse me. One of the quickest and most impactful ways that we can help Palestine they share through their last tip is to donate to reputable organizations and they seem like a good one. Donating to organizations that are on the ground doing the real world work to help the Palestinian people directly can make a huge, really significant difference in the lives of people that are suffering as a result of this conflict, as they're calling it. 
I want to use a little bit of stronger language, but we'll go with them on it. Like I said, they're a better authority on this whole thing than I am. And again, the name of their organization is the Palestine Children's Relief Fund, PCRF. And I will have a link to this article and their website in the show notes. I want to make it clear as well that they have no affiliation with this podcast. I went out actively looking for organizations working to help Palestinian people right now and for information around how I, how we could help, and that is how I came across them. They have no affiliation with our podcast specifically or any specific political or religious group. Obviously, the beginning of this episode has been more aimed toward people who are not being directly affected by the conflict happening between Israel and Palestine, mostly because I think that we're the ones that probably have the capacity to listen to this sort of programming right now. But if you are someone being more directly affected by this conflict, please know my heart is with you. Words couldn't hope to do justice to what my heart wants to express to you. But I dearly hope and in my own way am praying every day for your safety, for your health, for your wellness, for that of your loved ones, for your land, and for eventual healing. And I acknowledge that it's not enough because what could be, but I will give it as it is what I have to give. And I love you. And I am so, so sorry. I am so deeply ashamed of my government's role in what is happening right now. And I'm going to let that lead us into the central discussion of today's episode. It's been something that's been coming up within our community a lot and something I feel it would be really relevant for us to open up a bigger discussion around right now. We're going to be talking about polarity, its reality, and the need for further acknowledgement of it as a reality within our community and within spiritual spaces in general. Polarity is real. Obviously, I'm a witch. I'm a pagan. I have an earth-based spiritual practice. And just looking at the world around us, It's irrefutable. According to the Oxford Dictionary, within the context in which we are discussing it today, polarity is the state of having two opposite or contradictory tendencies, opinions, or aspects. Some examples being the polarity between male and female. 
and the polarity between lightness and darkness. In other words, there are two sides to everything, and many within our community argue polarity to be one of the laws of our universe. We can dive deeper into the idea of universal laws in a future episode. If anybody might be into that, let me know. But yeah, I'm sure many, if not most, if not all of us folks here that have been a part or are currently a part of some sort of spiritual community have been affected by the high vibes, love and light only fallacy, as I like to call it. Most of you here probably know me from TikTok. That is my most poppin' social media platform. We talk about creativity, authenticity, and just living a magical life over there. It's so much fun. If you're not a part of our TikTok community, I'd highly recommend you come join us over there for the magic. We would love to have you. And again, all my links are in the show notes. That's my puppy, sorry. But I came across this creator and she said some stuff. And it triggered me. But I wasn't really triggered with her. I was triggered with and about just like how often I hear people within spiritual spaces, especially within leadership roles within spiritual spaces, spouting off. I'm just going to call it like it is the kind of bullshit that she was. I felt like when I saw it, it was really important to open up a discussion about within our community, and I think maybe I'll just share that directly with you here. First, I posted a video in direct response to hers, and then I deleted it, edited her out of it, and reposted just my response, and Yeah, I'm just going to share the whole thing with you, and it'll kind of explain itself, I think. Hey, future Omi here. This is going to be a repost of a stitch I made of another creator's video that doesn't actually give you access to said video and her information. I think the conversation that her video sparked is really relevant and important. They stole my chair. But in case, like, this does turn into a bigger conversation, I don't want it to follow her forever. I don't agree with the things that she was saying, is saying in her content, but the internet can be pretty harsh, a pretty harsh place. Like, I believe her intentions were good, that she's just been a little misguided. There are so many other way bigger creators that think the same way and say the same stuff, but her video just happened to come up on my page and spark the thoughts that I feel like do need to be being shared more. But yeah, anyway, I'll stop over explaining and just, I want it to be about, like, the conversation it brought up and I hope you get something out of it and I'd love it if you wanted to add to it as well. I think sharing your heart on this too could also really help someone. 
So I don't want anybody to go hate on this creator. But she basically goes on to say that if you believe you have a mental illness, you believing you have that mental illness is what is making you have that mental illness. This kind of thinking ran pretty heavy in the church I grew up in. And I see it being perpetuated pretty hard and heavy in the spiritual community now as well. For a long time, I believed the people that were saying this kind of stuff. And that's why I think it's important to open up a conversation about because I think it can be dangerous. This might be true for you. You might be able to work on your mindset, your environmental factors that you have control over, and you might be able to totally symptoms of mental illness that you're experiencing that does happen i've seen it happen but we're all different we all have different brain chemistry we've all been through different forms of trauma and this isn't going to be the case for every single person it might be your experience so it might really feel true for you but you cannot know how it feels to be inside of somebody else's brain body and to be carrying around all that has affected them throughout their life. A lot of times people are turning to spirituality because they're desperate. They are struggling with mental illness. They need help. They need something that feels bigger in their life to support them. There's value and there's power in that for sure. And I definitely believe cultivating a positive mindset is going to help most people most all people whatever they're dealing with but it's not going to be enough for everyone and talking about it as if it is is dangerous people who might really need some external support seeing videos like this that are really vulnerable to the point of being really open with their hearts and their minds might not seek out the support that they need and just sink further into shame and further into isolation and that can have really devastating consequences. Like I said, I don't want anyone to go hit on this creator. I believe she really believes what she's saying and that it might really feel like the truth and like be the truth for her. Like I said, it can be really dangerous to assume that that's going to be the truth for everybody and to be showing up, positioning yourself as a leader and claiming that to be true for everybody because there are going to be vulnerable people that come across your content that do believe you. This is just overall not something I see talked about enough in the spiritual community that I wish I did. I feel like the whole high vibe, love and light only thing can be really dangerous. I'm a witch. I'm a pagan. I have an earth-based spiritual practice. And here's what I know. The same as the darkness cannot exist without the light, the light cannot exist without the darkness. The night is just as real of a part of life here as the day is, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. I don't like how when somebody's having a hard time, I see people in the spiritual space and leaders in the spiritual space like like talking about them and to them and engaging with them like they're gonna catch a cold almost. Like the darker parts
parts of life aren't not real because we don't want them to be because we don't want to acknowledge them to be and we're just further isolating people who are in really dark spaces by keeping on this sort of wave i think we need to allow more room for nuance within the spiritual community especially if we're showing up in leadership Seeking out a spiritual teacher, a spiritual leader can be really positive. It can be a really amazing way to support yourself through something challenging, but they are not all created equally. I'll just be honest with you about my opinion and take it or leave it. I don't know that my personal opinions are worth very much, but teachers, leaders within the spiritual space that are making broad stroke generalizations like that often haven't really fully come into themselves as leaders yet or are, and this is, you know, the darker side of spirituality, like spirituality is not all high vibes, love and light either, like, or they're trying to scam people and they don't care what kind of damage that they cause. I like to lean on the side of assuming like it's just an area in which a teacher or leader within the space has some room for growth, but reality is, you know, and again with the darkness and the light, there are some really insidious people that are attracted to leadership roles within spiritual spaces because they can take advantage of people. It can be kind of scary. And I mean, that's why we see some of these crazy cults and stuff. Sometimes life feels so hard and scary and out of control that we're really desperate for some sense, some semblance of dogma. It can be really hard to sit in the fullness of everything that we just don't know. And there are teachers, leaders who seek to take advantage of that. That know if you say anything with enough confidence someone in the room is going to believe you and they do when we think of colonization we usually first jump to thoughts of native american people or at least i do and what my and many of our ancestors did to them i'm a white woman for context my ancestry is muddled But the native ancestors that I do have were likely not consenting to become my ancestors. I think something that many like me, maybe like you, have really lost touch with is that we were victims of colonization before we became perpetrators of it. Many of our ancestors and their cultures were victims of their times of the Roman Empire and Christianity, 
the same way in which the native people of the Americas became victims of us, our later ancestors, if you're like me. And again, Christianity. And even Rome itself was a polytheistic civilization before they became the sort of Christian hub of the world. I think through colonization, our ancestors did, or my ancestors and maybe yours, if we have similar ancestries, I believe they did the best that they could to preserve our indigenous wisdom through things like, you know, fairy tales, through story, through certain acts of ritual and celebration that they modified to align with Christianity enough to be able to continue to practice them. But so much of our indigenous magic was lost through colonization. And you know, it sucks and it's sad that we eventually turned around and became the colonizers ourselves. As somebody who grew up in the church and still exists within our current global culture, I've experienced and continue to systemically experience Christianity as a sort of vessel for patriarchy and violence. The Bible has been rewritten so many times, I don't think that it was likely the initial way or aim of the religion, but it's what it became and how it has spread throughout the world and really hurt so many more of us than we're even in touch with anymore. I think one of the most damaging effects of colonization by the Christian church was the separation of the feminine from our understanding and perception of the divine. In Judeo-Christian traditions that have heavily influenced the overall culture of our current world, there is one God, and he honestly doesn't seem like a very nice guy, and he's a man. I think the idea of something that many of us think of as what many of us call God is inherently too big to be constrained or limited by gender. And I think that separation of the feminine aspect of the divine from our consciousnesses, from the collective consciousness, has been super damaging. Both feminine and masculine aspects of divinity exist cross-culturally in indigenous cultures that are still intact or preserved enough for us to know what many of us anonymously refer to as God used to be bigger than gender, used to be bigger than everything because it was everything. 
but the feminine aspect of divinity cross-culturally was often correlated with the natural world, with life. Non-surprisingly, considering women are the bearers of new life into the world. What could be more sacred? To the Aztecs, Earth was called, I'm going to say this wrong, Tonantzin, which translates to our mother. To the Incas, Earth was called Pachamama, which translates to Mother Earth. The Chinese Earth goddess Hautu is similar to Gaia, who is the Greek goddess personifying the Earth. Bhumi Devi is the goddess of Earth in Hinduism influenced by graha those are just a few quick easily googleable examples but i could go on i feel like when we limited or christianity came in and limited over generations our relationship to divinity by gender and just fully separated us from our traditionally feminine concepts of quote-unquote God, which were nature, which were life. It separated us not only from each other, but from the earth as our mother and from our reverence for life, our understanding and active honoring of the sacredness of life. I think it's part of why so many of us, even spiritual teachers and leaders, are out of touch with the truths that nature reflects to us in and about ourselves and each other. Why there's so much bloodshed happening. Why so many of us feel so separate from each other and the world around us and that lack of connection makes us really vulnerable to manipulation and really easy to control we're out of touch with what's important about life because we're out of touch with life with the inherent sacredness that it is and that which we are which we all are and the fact that we're all a sort of family here i think it's why we are where we are in regards to climate change and maybe most obviously women's rights and men are struggling as a result of this separation as well i think god is a limiting word choice to describe what i'm wanting to as it does have a gender connotation but the same way in which that overarching universal energy many of us refer to in current days and times as God is too big to be limited by the construct of gender. So are we. Everybody has both feminine and masculine energy and how much we have of one of those over another isn't something defined by sex and the expectation that it should be is damaging to everybody across sexes, across gender orientations. 
it's not one over the other. My spiritual practice currently is more goddess-based as I'm just working to heal my own wounded relationship with the feminine right now. The feminine aspect of that overarching energy. But it's both. As far as we can know for sure, men were just born into the system too. The men in our lives. Even though many of them end up playing that role, they are not innately or inherently the villains. In the same way, it's not men over women. It's not women over men. We need balance. We need men to be allowed to get sad and we need women to be allowed to get angry. And I think for us to heal, we need to be willing to acknowledge the reality of polarity, of yes, the light, but also the dark. And in the same way that darkness cannot exist without the light, the light cannot exist without the darkness of the masculine and the feminine in the same way the masculine cannot exist without the feminine the feminine cannot exist without the masculine and i think to heal we need to be working on healing the feminine particularly yes within women and within men and i think it could be how we reclaim our magic i could sit and wax and wane poetic with you all night about all the ways in which the moon does and about how many lessons of love and life she's taught me how the stars used to be the maps of our ancestors and how they've continued to guide me back home to myself when i've been lost But I think the point that I'd be trying to get to at the end of it all would be something along the lines of we need each other, we are each other. And I think to heal, we need to be coming together as men and women, as masculine and feminine energy sources and forces in shared humanity and start reworking the system coming into union, setting a new foundation to build a new day upon of love and in honor of the sacredness of it all. I think collectively we can all feel to some degree things are feeling especially dark right now and I'd like to remind you that the night is when we dream. If we can surrender to the darkness right now and allow ourselves to dream against all the odds. I wonder if it could carry us into a new day. What kind of new day that might be. I wonder if we came into further collective recognition of our own innate and inherent divinity as living, breathing manifestations of love and life, what mountains we might be able to move, what might be possible for us, for our children, for our grandchildren, if we let ourselves dream bravely. Because dreaming is bravery, and bravery is love.
and love heals. The artist we're going to be featuring to close out this episode of Witch Weekly goes by Drama. She is such a mystic mermaid residing in Hawaii as well as a creator of auditory euphoria wielding magical frequencies from the ether. You'll be able to find links to her and all of her work in the show notes of this episode. And until we meet again next Wednesday for episode 3 of Witch Weekly, this is her song, Neverland. I hope it inspires you to dream bravely. Mama, be sure, be sure.